Welcome back to Coaches Exploring Clarity. In today's episode, we'll be looking at Chapter 13, Toxic Goals and Authentic Desires. And the chapter starts with a quote from Robert Frost, poet and playwright, that says, All great things are done for their own sake. The first thing that popped into my mind was this very program that we're doing. <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, you know, it's great if other people watch this and so on, but for me, just getting to spend the the hour once a week with the two of you and getting to kind of dive deeper into clarity, like if that's all that I get out of doing this, that's enough for me. Anything else is kind of a, a bonus or gravy. So anyway, that, that's what it popped in my mind as soon as I read that quote. Nice. Much yeah, much the same thing popped into my mind as well. It's, it's just like, yeah, you know, and isn't that great? You know, when yeah. you can just beat up for whatever you're doing kind of thing, you're just kind of doing it because it's kind of nice to do, full stop. Yeah. A good feeling, yeah. And Actually, that isn't, that isn't what popped into my mind. No, what, what popped into your mind? <laughs> what, what, what popped into my mind was how often we don't do that. Mm. Mm. All great things are done for their own sake. How often we don't do that and how we're feeling when we're not doing that. And, and actually loads of things um, have popped into my mind that when we're not doing things for their own sake. Yeah. And then the contrast of when we do things for their own sake and, and the difference. So, yes, it actually made me smile to think, oh, wow, yeah, how often we, we, we don't do that. Yeah. Well, another thing that occurred to me, Jamie often asked in our, the programs we're on with him, the question, for what purpose? And, you know, this quote, you know, but the next time he asked that question, I can say, well, well, just for its own sake, that's the purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back at you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh, shortly at the end of the story where Jamie was talking about his uh, his experience with uh, Tim Ferriss's four minute work week or four hour work week, sorry, and uh, how it didn't really pan out the way he was expecting. He says, I had the circumstances of success, but I wasn't having the experience of success. And it made me think like through my whole career in, in the corporate world, that's kind of how I felt. Like I was always fighting tooth and nail to get the next promotion, the next raise. And for, you know, a short period of time when you got a $5,000 raise or a $10,000 raise, you felt great and validated and like all that hard work had paid off and two or three paychecks in, you were right back to where you were before that, uh, that promotion or that raise. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know to call things insights or, or really what was going on, but I, I recall early in my career after experiencing that a few times, I decided at some point, I'm not going to chase the titles or the money anymore. I'm just going to focus on doing a really good job, which may, which meant, um, uh, you know, creating a great environment for the people that I work with directly or, or indirectly uh, delivering great results and getting the most fulfillment out of my job as possible. And then the promotions and the money will just be a symptom of those things versus the goal. And my experience was as soon as I focused on that, um, I had more promotions and more raises 
than I did when I was focusing on the promotions and the raises. Um, and I say that fully recognizing too, that I still wasn't happy <laughs> even when, when, mm. was, when the, like I, I wasn't happy with the promotions and the raises, like they weren't the source of my happiness, the fulfillment. And this is kind of what's led me into coaching is everything that I did in my career that brought me the most fulfillment was managing and leading teams of people, um, which is very um, congruent with the kind of work that I do as a coach. Yeah. I um, underlined that sentence. I had the circumstances of success, but I wasn't having the experience of success. It struck me how never even considered that the word success could be anything else than something that is in one way or another supplied to me by the circumstances. Yeah. I didn't even have another definition of the word. And and it was a it was for me, you know, a bit like, you know, Greg, you said you sort of once you realized something, so once I realized that I need another word for success because that was the word I was I was looking for the thing that was defined wrongly. Mm. I, mm. I I I believed that the only thing that you could actually want, desire, wish for, is success defined by the circumstance. But I, I had no consideration or even the vaguest idea that actually Success has another meaning, and it's it's everything to, or at least again for me, I use a big word, everything. Like, yeah, everything. Success was like everything that I didn't have, but also didn't even want, because I was also at the time fully aware that I really wanted something else that would be the experience of success, but had a different definition. So it's you know it's it's peace it's no anxiousness it's it's fulfillment it's it's all that stuff. Um. So just reading this sentence, you know, so concisely said, Jamie by Jamie, I had the circumstances of success, wasn't experiencing the experience of success, like that last the second part of the sentence. I just didn't even have it in. It didn't exist for me. Mm wasn't even in my radar <laughs> something so I was so sure that it didn't exist but once probably my very first coach pointed me into a direction that was something other than what's written in the handbook of success kind of thing we're talking about something completely different mm. and then just realized oh like I could oh I could so I can have that stuff that my heart has always has always told me that I want peace, fulfillment, joy, all that stuff. Oh, I can have that then. Then I'll have some of that. Mm. And that's when I stepped into coaching, if if you like. Yeah. Mm. Love it. It's, it's funny, we all um, highlighted exactly the same sentence in two pages. So, um, <laughs> What, what that brought up for me, it took me back to my uh, when I was in my early 20s and 
in a big corporation and people and other people, so this is like outside conditioning, encouraged me, convinced me that that the next thing was what I wanted. You know, you want to be in this area, didn't matter where. It happened to be sales, which is exactly what I have never wanted, if anybody knew me. But somehow I bought into that and that it was this circumstances of success because it will give you, it will give you, you know, a step up the ladder and another step up the ladder and more money. And at the time in a corporation, um, you know, a car and a this and a that and bonuses and all the stuff that came with that. And I and I think I'm with you, Elaine. I, at that time, it wouldn't have been, in no way would it have been visible to me that there was an alternative because I thought this was kind of the way to go. You know, we're here to um, progress in, in whatever way that looks like. The, this experience of success and, and the feelings that come with that just were not, I wouldn't have seen that. That would not have been available to me. So I bought into the do this thing for the circumstances of success. And a bit like you said, Greg, that didn't make me happy at all. Mm. But it took me a long time to figure out that this, it probably didn't take me a long time to figure out I wasn't happy, <laughs> but it took me a long time to figure out that there was another way. It took me a very long time to find out there was another way. And no amount of money or the fancy car or the whatever thing did anything. It was just like, okay, well, there's a thing. Um I still don't want to get up in the morning and do this. So that that sentence, however many words there were, just felt huge to me in thinking about people that we work with and when they come and talk about what they want, often what they come with is the circumstance, not the experience. That's mm -hmm. I want this. And so that that's a really neat way to have a very nice conversation, I yeah. think. I love that you've pointed that out because it's when they come with that too, the, the idea of I need these circumstances, it comes along with the presumption that if I get those circumstances, then I'll be happy. But yeah. we all know that that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, as a coach, we do know. <laughs> yeah. As a, as a coach, it's, uh, um, you know, it's part of our job, I suppose, to uh, point them in that direction. And, uh, um, you know, yes, we can help them try to achieve what they want to achieve, but helping them understand that that's not the source of their happiness is a, is yeah. a much more powerful thing to share. Yeah. And I'm just going to mention my um, recently signed up client. This is so interesting because in our, you know, prior to signing up conversations, he he continued to, to tell me like well i i've kind of got everything you know i've got a car and i've got the house and 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 i've you know i've got a good job and it brings me good money kind of thing and and it was a very weird conversation because like it it was like he was telling me that he couldn't understand why he was sitting in front of me mm. Because he kept telling me, well, I've got all these things. And for however hard I tried, actually, to sort of just even just shift a slight bit to sort of get into that, you know, move off the circumstances, which he's telling me he's got, so therefore he is successful, to sort of 
you, you know, shift him on to, to, to any way realizing that, you know, this is not success, if you like, it mm. said in a nutshell, obviously. That's very interesting. And this is actually going to be very useful for the next time I go speak to this guy. I think I might read it to him. <laughs> mm. Yeah. What jumps out at me is a phrase. Oh, sorry, Lynn. Go. No. Go no, ahead. so sorry. Yeah, no, done, no, done. No. Really, sure. really done. Yeah. Okay. No, what, what jumped out at me when you were speaking there is something that we've heard often in our training is, is this meeting our clients where they are. And, you know, like we, we've, we have been in the space of searching for the circumstances of that's where so many people are. And for us to still to be able to see that, and it's uh, someone uses the phrase inside the jar, you know, you, the the back of the label they can't see outside the jar. It's it's that feels like that to me, like we're we're in there, and that's what we think we're we're looking for. So it's to just it's to kind of open the jar and go, oh look, there's all this other stuff available. Um, and I think that's the meeting people where they are because they're they're still there. Like your client is a great example, Elaine. He's totally there. He's perplexed. I've got all this stuff. Look, everything should be perfect. Kind of not feeling that way. Mm. So, mm. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of a, there's a Stephen Covey thing, which is related to habit two of the seven habits, which is begin with the end in mind, but it's, Something to the effect of, have you ever climbed the ladder of success just to get to the top to realize the ladder was on the wrong wall? Against the wrong wall. <laughs> and it was yeah. like, you know, it, people have their ladder on the wall of um, the circumstances of success when really they need to put their ladder on the wall of the experience of success. Yeah. yeah. And, and indeed, how many times we leave the ladder on that same wall and continue climbing it, being fully aware that it's not taking you to that place that you think, but we continue to do it, yeah. have it. You know? yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just because it's a bit like, you know, Jamie puts it like the, the hamster wheel. Mm. Like we just stay on it. Oh, well, listen, here's a wheel. I'll go on this one. You know, here's a ladder. Oh, well, I'll just climb this one. Then it'll take me it'll take me to success, you know, without even, again, that, and like Lynn said, you know, you don't go out of the jar. Mm. You just stay in the jar and, like, it, it's sort of a bit, you know, that's your lot, and as, as Jamie said at some point as well, because you struggle and thrive, failing to achieve your toxic goal, as he puts it, sometimes for years, and finally give up with a sense of frustration and hopelessness. That's exactly it. You know, because many people don't have the availability to see beyond the jar or to climb any other ladder. There mm. is, there are, you know, it's not, it's not in their sight. So I guess it's kind of our job to bring things into people's vision, you know, so they can have a look at it sort of thing. Yeah. See another possibility. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, this is a different thing. I'm going to run off a tangent. You might take this out, Greg. I don't know, but it just came up. I'm thinking, where do we still get caught in this trap in different ways? And I just thought of a prime example today, today, we're talking about 
August vacation because it's we absolutely deplore hate being here in August. So that's what, but that's a whole other story. So we're talking about getting away in August and um, imagining where we might go and all those things. And what just popped up for me there is, so if we take out the circumstances of success and put in the circumstances of my holiday, for example, I'm imagining all this stuff and I'm imagining that it's going to make me feel good. This is me earlier. I'm going, and I'm actually asking myself the question. So, you know, where do I want to go and what do I want to, I did ask the question, what do I want to experience? But I was all the way into what, what, what is going to make me feel good. Mm-hmm. And so I, that feels like kind of the same thing. You know, it's still, it's still outside in. I'm still going, looking for something. Um, or is that off track? I don't know. It feels like that to me. I don't know if that is off track or is that kind of the same thing? No, I think it's the same, same thing. thing. Totally. I same. think it's exactly the same thing. Yes, it's it's it's, it's <laughs> how to go on holiday anyway. I guess is the, <laughs> <laughs> the yeah anyway. But, you know, yeah. or or better, you know, what what do you pack to go on holiday? Well, pack some experience and see what that happens. <laughs> what, what happens there? <laughs> Take it with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of pops up. Anyway, we'll go off in a tangent. Well, for me, it, it relates to on 146 when Jamie starts talking about his teddy bear metaphor. Mm. You know, like your vacation's a teddy bear. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I love this teddy bear one just because it's such a simple um, metaphor to get your head around. When In the context of the teddy bear, that, it, that 100% of the feelings that the child feels of security and well-being from their teddy bear is coming from with a child, 0% from the teddy bear. And as adults, we all go, oh, yeah, that's we know teddy bears are not magical. But then when we say, well, I need a vacation to feel better or I needed a car or uh, you know, a different relationship or my mortgage to be gone or a bigger balance in my bank account, like those are just adult versions of, of teddy bears. Yeah. I am. Um, I can't tell you how you know. And as as Lynn said, I don't know whether it's the same in Spain. August is the big holiday period, um, in Italy. Like everybody goes on holiday in Italy, and you know, I start hearing round about this time. You know, people, go, oh, I really need a holiday. Like, oh, if I don't get the holiday this year, and not to mention what I heard during COVID, because people couldn't have holidays. Like people were going, you know, sort of liquid brained, that kind of thing, because they couldn't have the holiday was taken away from them. They couldn't go anywhere. And and I kind of remember looking at that from sort of a sort of from a, a way above position, because I have to confess to you, I haven't had a holiday for about 10 years. <laughs> haven't been able to have a holiday and and you know thanks to this work and thanks to a lot of my own work you know I I actually would love to have a holiday but I don't need one mm-hmm. and and it was I used to get very irritated talking to people you know do you hear what you're saying guys like you do not need a holiday you do not need one have one if you want one but you don't need it but like it seemed as if their whole lives roundabout between May, 
you know, up to the point of 1st of August, would revolve around this, how bad they're feeling because they haven't gone on holiday yet and they're so tired and the year's been so long and it's been so difficult and this, that and the other. And I, you know, I have a clear view and I just sit there and go, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> this, you know, it sounded to me like the whole thing, the whole thing was going to, because what happens if like people go on holiday because they go for the sunshine and the seaside and maybe some of them go for the summer skiing, which I don't know how much of that is actually available anymore because of the climate change. What happens when all that stuff, you know, you go there and it rains for the whole of August. Mm. I mean, that's just terrible. It's just so sad. It makes me laugh. Because I don't get a holiday anyway. <laughs> but it, it's it's all there, you know, and how many of us are like this, though, you know. It, and we invest so much time and mental health on that, on that circumstance. You know, if you don't get a holiday, you do get a holiday, but it doesn't work out. Or where the hell are we? And can we actually, can we get the whole family to agree on the holiday? That's even, that's so stressful. It's just incredible. Mm. And I sit there and think, well, this is marvellous because I don't even have one to think about. <laughs> How peaceful is that? <laughs> Wonderful. But indeed, we get really caught up the real trap, you know, yeah. circumstance. Yeah, I had a client who was the same thing. Like he, when he goes to the cottage, his stress goes to zero, and when he's at work, his stress is through the roof. And we've had lots of conversations about, you know, what does he, what's his theory on what's happening there? And it, I mean, the a bit of a conclusion we've come to is it's like it's almost like a hack to to get his thinking to stop. That as soon as he pulls up to the cottage, it's like his, his he gives himself permission to stop thinking about work. And, you know, we've, I've tried to point him in the direction of like, you know, you don't need a cottage to do that. <laughs> like you can uh, drop out of your thinking. You have the capacity to do that anytime, any place, um, anywhere. And, and he's had a few insights around that, but it's still a, a, for him a major trap that he he's kind of stuck in. And, and yeah. to your point, it was funny because that same client slash friend, he went on uh a vacation a few weeks ago to Mexico. And of course, the week that he left Canada to go to Mexico, we had the best week, the best week in April that we've ever had. It was like mid twenties Celsius every day. <laughs> and I was checking on the weather app to see what the temperature was in Mexico. And it was about the same. So of course I was <laughs> razzing. And when he got back that, you know, paid all that money to go there and have the same weather that we had here. Although he did remind me that he was on the beach. So that maybe that's a little better, but oh, yeah. <laughs> It's funny. That's his yeah. teddy bear. Yeah. Yeah. Or the cottage is a one big teddy bear. Yeah. One big teddy bear, yeah. 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 Uh, the only the next thing I, I highlighted was on page one four seven at the bottom of the grey um box. I don't know mm. what we're called. Oh, the reality check box where where it says um uh, remember toxic goals contaminate. You weren't born thinking them and you were motivated to learn to walk and to talk, motivated to use your hands to play and to explore, motivated to make and create, to love and connect with other people. You still are whether you're, whether you're already aware of it or not. Mm. Somehow I just I just loved that, especially thinking back to just people creating goals and and why they think they want things and what they think they have to do to get them and how hard it's going to be. And this just sounds so 
there and simple. Mm. I mean, it's just it's just there, always there and simple. And I I just love that as a little paragraph said, Lord. Yeah. I knew you were going to highlight that paragraph as soon as I read it. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting to know you. Yeah, yeah you yeah. are. Back to kids. Yeah. You are. Yeah, I'm just, just on the end of that, Lynn, again, Lynn and I often talk about the one word, aware, awareness. And indeed, after after it's sort of what I'm noticing reading this book, it's, there's, there's something about awareness that, that seems really to be a, a theme that comes throughout, although Jamie doesn't sort of point to it as much as thought in the moment, uh, experience can come from something other than thought in the moment, insight or or whatever. But there's, there's something about, it's sort of an underlying theme that, that, that it's almost as if this whole book sort of is, a, ful ful a fulcrum point is awareness. Mm. Because sort of, you know, the last one, are you, you, and you still are, whether you're already aware of it or not, but until you can become aware of it, nothing will change. Mm. You know, okay, so we, okay, taken on board, we have it all within us already. But that next step is being aware of it. Yeah. And um, whether Jamie addresses that even further later on, I don't know. Well, I do know, but that's okay. We're not. We haven't yeah. got that far. Yeah. yeah, I love that point because the things that pop into my head when you, I think of awareness is, um, you know, people becoming aware that they're using a map that may no longer be fit for purpose. People yeah. becoming aware, kind of like we just talked about earlier, of a new way to look at things, a new paradigm, the the difference yeah. between. The circumstances of success and the experience of success like if you're not aware like you said elaine about i wasn't even aware that that was an on offer that was an option yeah um, i remember being on a call with somebody who grew up in a, a terrible neighborhood and was in, in and out of jail and uh, in and out of addiction he, he wasn't even aware that a different life existed <laughs> and went, once he he became aware of other options he was able to make different choices. Um, anyway, so yeah, I think you're bang on. The, the, uh, having an insight around awareness is a, is a huge game changer. Yeah. I mean, leading into that, there's a case study here uh, where Jamie mentions uh, a gentleman named Joe Stump, mm -hmm. which kind of rang for yeah. me because it's because of Joe Stump that I'm here. Uh, because I was on, I was a real estate agent and I was taking his program called by referral only. And Jamie, well, Smart, Jamie Smart was a guest. And this was back in the day when you'd order it and get mailed a bunch of CDs and DVDs and stuff. So there was a, a few interviews with Jamie because this guy basically had created a real estate business around incorporating NLP techniques into getting referrals but yeah, so once I I was introduced to Jamie through that program, started following Jamie, started ordering some of Jamie's things, and you know, fast forward that was like two thousand and eight. So fast forward fifteen years, here we are. Incredible. So. Huh. That's crazy. Yeah. 
I love the way. Do you? Oh, sorry. I was gonna. I was gonna ask a question there. Do you remember? And it may not be relevant, but I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you when you were looking at that guy, the Joe Stump guy, and what he was doing, do you remember at the time what you were looking for and what you got out of it? Um. Yeah. Well, the things that come to mind. So there, there's one exchange he was having with a lady in the audience. So this was basically he's in a big board, like a big. Um, conference center with 300 people in the audience and he's up at the front and he's um, teaching from the front. So he's having an exchange with the lady and she's talking about a client that she has. And um, uh, she says, well, this client's a real hard client. He, he can't even, I can't even imagine him going for this. And he goes, well, if you can't imagine it, then, you know, of course it's not going to happen. And and I, and it occurred to me like, oh yeah, like, you know, and again, it's, it's this awareness, this idea of, what's possible um in the point that like if you can't even imagine it then it it's got no chance of happening like it's as a starting point you gotta and, and that to me that kind of um linked back to my seven habits stuff or begin with the end in mind like you have to have an idea uh, or be able to imagine it first at least in some context and then when jamie came on i was just mesmerized by his use of language so the one thing that that I remember is he had something called the butt flip and it was like, I want a bigger house, but I can't afford it. That's what people say. But when you do the butt flip, it says I can't afford it, but I want a bigger house because the, the idea in the language is that the butt negates everything that comes before it. So if you, if you put the, I want the bigger house, mm-hmm. but I can't afford it. If that comes first, then what you're left with is the, I can't yeah. afford it. But if you flip it and you say, I can't afford it, but I want the bigger house you're left with, I want the bigger house. So it's about yeah. framing things um, for yeah. people. And, you, and you've and you negated the, I can't afford it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And then, and then he, he did this thing. I, I, I've created a course and I called it the seven levels of importance, but it's like, um, and Jamie's taught us this in, in the coaching program too, of, of peeling back the onion for people. Like, why do you want whatever it is that you want? Well, I want to have, uh, the, you know, the financial, uh, wherewithal to do what I want to do. Well, what would that give you? Well, I'd be able to take my family places. Well, what would taking your family places give you? Well, then I could build a relationship with my kids. Why is that important? Well, because, of the, and you just keep peeling back the layers until you get to the, and, and in the context of the real estate thing, it was, you do that. So then when it comes time for them to decide to buy the house, you say, you basically reiterate everything they said right down to the, the motivation at the bottom, which is basically, I want a better life for my kids okay, let's sign the house and people go, let's do it. <laughs> and it, it gets them through their, their limiting beliefs yeah. around things. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think doesn't that as well take you up through the, is it the logical levels in NLP where you come up to the, you know, your highest desire Yeah, where you, you sort of, you move away from by the time you've gone through all that, what you, what you really want is an authentic exactly. desire. Yeah. Not a circumstantial desire. Yeah. 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 So yeah, so I, I was fascinated by all of that stuff. And that's that was kind of the start of my this journey into coaching. Yeah. And yeah, and, and as Jamie goes on to that, because just as, as I, I was kind of reading this as if as if I was, as if I was reading it for the first time, and to be honest, it might it might well have, have been. Um and as you know, got to to the authentic desires. So you know, gone through it. Okay, so I'm aware. So now what kind of thing? Mm. 
Um, and then it's like, as I read through with Jamie, sort of telling me that, you know, well, you can desire something that's maybe way out of your vision, sight, dream, anything right now. Mm. You can have it. But like, as I get to that bit, I sort of go, oh, right, well, I'm damned because I don't have one. You know, so many years not being able to see it or not knowing that it even exists, having no awareness of it. Then, oh, right, I've seen this, but how the hell do you get there? Mm. You know, okay, I see it, but how do you get there? And how beautifully just, you know, straight out with, right at the end, so you breathe a sigh of relief, it's like driving at night in the fog. Mm. You can only see as far as your headlights, but you can make the whole trip that way. Ah, oh, okay, so it can be done. You know, even if you, and as he also said, you know, you don't need to be able, it doesn't need to be realistic. It doesn't need to, to be, you know, it has to be something magical, if you like. Even if you don't believe it yourself right in that moment, but once you've seen it, the idea that then you can actually have it is just so freeing, even if you haven't got a clue exactly what it is. Mm. And I love the way he sort of paced this chapter, you know, so that so there's this kind of feeling, oh my goodness, yes, this is brilliant, this is brilliant, <gasps> but I don't have an authentic, I'm not, I don't, mm. I can't say, but I know I can have it. Mm. And then, and you can do it. And here's how even if you still don't know what it is. Mm. And that, that is, for me, it was really liberating. You know, ah, okay. It doesn't have to have a concrete form. Because again, the concrete form will more than likely move back into a circumstance. So we're back to square one. Mm. Mm. And the, the knowing, as he says just later on, when you step into the fog of the unknown and keep moving forward, wisdom will guide you in discovering the path. And again, for me, it was like, ah, oh, okay, then well, I'm safe then. I've got my, I know I've got my wisdom. I know it's in there somewhere. So I'll just do that kind of thing. It, it, it becomes extremely easy. On the page right after that El Doctor quote that you just used, driving with the, in the fog on page one forty nine, yeah, he uh, Jimmy has the equation clarity plus action equals results, and I made a note of that. Just think, I think that's the first time this equation has been uh, mm -hmm. talked about in the book because the other yeah. equation was um, clarity equals. Um, uh uh, capacity minus capacity contamination, contamination. Minus yeah. contamination yeah. yeah and this one is clarity plus action equals results and that that comes from <laughs> his other book results but uh um that one always rings true to me just to you know keep doing stuff like you know it's the just there your headlights only see that far just so you know keep going like <laughs> just drive that far and then see what happens you don't yeah. need to, to necessarily see the whole picture Shall we uh, jump to the thought experiment at the end? Yep. So I'll, I'll read that out. This is on page 151, thought experiment. As you're reading this now, 
Are there any toxic goals that still look like a reality to you? By contrast, what are some of the authentic desires that you're already starting to become aware of? I'm, I'm actually desperately looking for some sort of toxic girl that still looks real to me because the, it seems as if the you know he's addressed it so well that there there's kind of no way to wiggle your way out of this to try to find a, a one that might look real. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and by contrast, for me. I already have some, like, let's say, again, in inverted commas, commas, a concrete, authentic desire. But I, I just noticed even reading that is, is sort of kind of an excited feeling. But what comes up is a feeling. It's not a thing. Um, that there might even be some more coming up. But interesting that, you know, I can't think of any authentic desire, but I do, I'm actually just, because I'm reading it, I'm having a, a very nice feeling sort of coming up. Mm. For me, the, the idea that I want to take my coaching practice into the world of sports, be it amateur sports, working with athletes or parents. Um, and, you know, my pie in the sky, authentic desires to work with my Toronto Maple Leafs, the hockey team that I cheered for my whole life, who incidentally are tonight on the brink of elimination in the playoffs. <laughs> so they finally, after 19 years, they finally won the first round, got through the first round of the playoffs only to go three and oh, Oh, sorry, 0-3 and, and on the verge of a sweep of being eliminated and all their top players have scored zero points in the last few games or whatever. But it's like um, I've been writing their general manager for, you guys know this, for the last year or so. And it's like, okay, well, if they lose tonight, that's perfect because <laughs> then they'll be ready for the answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to their to all their problems, and and it's it's funny because when I watch them playing and I watch the post game interviews and things, I just it's just riddled with outside in thinking, um, riddled with misunderstanding, riddled with contamination, um, and uh, it's almost like they want they want it too bad that they can't get out of their own way, um, and and succeed. So anyway. If Kyle Dubas is listening to this, and you still have a job, and he still has a job, but when the, this is all over, <laughs> you'll be hearing from me. Cool. <laughs> I haven't got an answer to those questions right now, and I feel like I'm in a should place. I'm like, I really should, and and I'm gonna <laughs> hang up and think. I'm gonna hang up and have five toxic goals. I know I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> They'll be there somewhere. <laughs> uh, I don't know. No, I really don't. I think for me, I don't know if this will spark anything for you, but I know in the context of the coaching practice, it's like when I start getting fixated on income or 
I need X number of clients or, you know, the, the more I get wrapped up in the, I need these things with the feeling that if I don't have them, I'm not going to be successful or, you know, it, it means that I'm not worthy or I don't know, all of the contamination kind of pours into it. Um, that's when the well seems to start going dry. Whereas if I let go of all that stuff and I just focus on having conversations with people and connecting with people, then all those things kind of fall in place. It's kind of like a analogous to what I explained before with my corporate career is like, you know, instead of focusing on the numbers, just focus on the, the uh, relationships and the interactions and everything will kind of just fall into place. That's so nice, Greg. And what it does is take us right back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. It takes us right back to the quote at the beginning. All great things are done for their, for their own sake. And when we, when we think of why we do this, that's why we do it. Why? Well, I don't, that's what I'm hearing, and it's yeah. certainly why I do it. I didn't. Um, the draw for me to this work so long ago was then just the the notion that I could help people get out their own way and, and do things that they wanted to do was so, it was just absolutely enlightening. And, I, and I'd say that, and now I have got caught up in toxic goals and non-authentic desires along the way, for sure, absolutely for sure, through insecure thinking and, and all sorts of other things. But um, I feel myself a bit more freely doing things for their own sake like literally meeting people without with no agenda, without any idea that anything might come from it. And and what that does for me is personally is relax me, which means I'm in the room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> As opposed to times in the past where I've been anxious and, and not, you know, in the room but not in the room. So um to go back to the the authentic desires, I think the authentic desires can only come when we are authentic. I think they can only come from that place. So, yeah. Just like Jamie does, you've done a great segue into the next chapter on, on oh. the power of presence. Oh, genius. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll look at chapter 14 next time. But uh, yeah, we'll do that it's been time. a great conversation, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you so, Thank much. You so much. Great to connect.